Michael Gerber has been named by Inc. Magazine as the world's number one small business guru. He's the author of the blockbuster bestseller Emit, which was named by Wall Street Journal as the best-selling business book of all time. He's an entrepreneurial and small business thought leader who has impacted the lives of millions of individuals and hundreds of thousands of companies worldwide for over 40 years now. Today we're talking about his brand new book, Beyond the E-Myth, The Evolution of an Enterprise, From a Company of One to a Company of 1,000. Michael, you're a legend in the field of entrepreneurship, and I'm really excited to have you on the show. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Well, hello, hello, my ambitious friends, and welcome to 2000 Books. Every Monday and Wednesday, we bring you the most important actionable ideas from the world's greatest books for ambitious entrepreneurs, books in the field of startups, marketing, sales, productivity, management, leadership, strategy, personal development, and much, much more. And I am your host, Manny Vaya. In this episode of 2000 Books, world's number one small business guru and author of The E-Myth, Michael Gerber teaches us the five-step process to grow your business from a company of one to a company of 1,000. Well, thank you, Manny. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you. Thank you for coming here. Thank you for taking precious time. I know this book launch is coming up, so excited to talk about Beyond the E-Myth. Tell us, why should an ambitious entrepreneur read this book, listen to this book? Well, this book really is the accumulation of over 40 years working with small businesses and entrepreneurs and the frustrations that have been experienced over that time and continually stop people in their tracks when it comes to the word growth. So beyond the e-myth is formulaic. It essentially was written to cover what in fact has been missing over all of these years That was absolutely essential if I were to take a company of one to a company of 1,000, which obviously doesn't seem possible in many cases, and to actually demonstrate the step-by-step-by-step process through which that must happen. And of course, as I say, Manny, that comes from having worked with over 100,000 small business clients, would-be entrepreneurs, what is called solopreneurs and all the rest. And so I had to, in my 80th year, address this issue that has just not been successfully addressed by anyone. And that's what Beyond the E-Myth, the evolution of an enterprise from a company of one to a company of 1,000 is all about. Wow. You're 82 today or 83? 80. 80. All right. Awesome. Don't make me any old. <laughs> no, no, AD is great. I'm actually impressed with the level of energy and enthusiasm you bring. So thank you. My pleasure. Yeah. Let's talk about your story, your business story, because I, I know we touched on it a little bit, but I know also the fact that you didn't start off as an entrepreneur. You were not one of those whiz kids who started a business at 16 and said, well, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life, right? That's that's not how it all started. No, 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 no. Now, I'm exactly the opposite of that whiz kid. I didn't sell lemonade. I didn't want to be an entrepreneur. I didn't want to be in small business. I call myself a wandering Jew. I was looking for the meaning of life. I was a saxophone player. I was an encyclopedia salesman. I was a framer of houses. I did this. I did that. I did this. I did that. Every single step of the way, learning something that I didn't know before that, and primarily learning the extraordinary dedication to systems thinking that every single one of my teachers had. 
And it's not ironic, but it's really extraordinary that I was blessed with the experiences of true masters at what they did. I don't know if that was just serendipity. I don't know what that was, but it just happened. My saxophone teacher said, I only teach people who want to become the best saxophone players in the world. In order to do that, you got to practice. You got to practice what I tell you to practice, how I tell you to practice, for how long I tell you to practice. And it was monstrous, meaning he was a horror, that teacher. But I learned how to practice. And I learned why you couldn't simply not practice. And then when I learned how to sell encyclopedias, it was exactly the same thing. Here, practice this, do this, do this, do no, not that way, this way, no, not that way, and so forth and so on. And when I framed houses, it was exactly the same thing. I had to adjust to a completely new experience. But in every single case, my teacher was a master of systems. Mm. They didn't think of themselves like that, you understand. But in fact, they were exactly like that. And it all didn't come together for me until late in my life, very late in my life, in my late 30s, when I began to discover the relevance of all that to the world of business. And when you discovered that, and you have been on that journey since, your first book, Emeth, really talks about the evolution of an entrepreneur, or in some ways, the understanding of what an entrepreneur really is, the technician, the manager, and the real entrepreneur. And this book takes it to the next level of building an enterprise in some ways, right? Absolutely. And I got to correct that a bit, Manny. Actually, I didn't understand what an entrepreneur was. The technician, the manager, the entrepreneur were the three personalities of a small business owner. Mm -hmm. What I discovered later on, and which is included in this book, Beyond the E-Myth, um, what an entrepreneur is made of. And they're really four very distinct personalities of a true entrepreneur. And I identify those as the dreamer, the thinker, the storyteller, and the leader. This is not just rhetoric. This is practical. The dreamer has a dream. The thinker has a vision. The storyteller has a purpose. And the leader has a mission. Mm. Now, you could think of that as a matrix, but in reality, it isn't. It's actually a process. The dream leads to the vision, leads to the purpose, leads to the mission. And when you begin to see that process put into place, you begin to understand what's missing in so many small companies. That process is non-existent. There is no dream. There is no true vision. There is no true purpose. And there is no true mission. Mm. The dreaming room, the beyond the e-myth, goes through the process of actually helping my reader understand that process in a way that they never did understand it before. And by understanding it, being able to apply it. That's great. And of course, in the book, you talk about the process, the step-by-step -step process. And I think a lot of people might be thinking, well, what's the difference between a dream and a vision? Sometimes they're almost identical in our heads or their terminologies in some ways. Well, it's a dream, it's a vision, and we use those words interchangeably. So let's talk about it in a little more detail. What is a dream and what is a vision? Perfect. Because a dream is the great result. And so in my case, the great result we decided to create when I started my company way back in 1977, it was the Michael Thomas Corporation. I was Michael, he was Thomas. 
and we called ourselves a business development firm, and we were actually the very first business coaching company, small business coaching company on the planet. And what we decided to do was to transform the state of small business worldwide. That was our dream, to transform the state of small business worldwide. And what I think of the dream as is the great result. So when I ask an entrepreneur, so what's the great result you're here to produce? Not how are you going to produce it, but what are you going to produce? And when I say to transform the state of small business worldwide, you can imagine somebody else saying to transform the state of marriage worldwide or to transform this. You follow what I'm saying? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's the dream, the great result. The vision, on the other hand, is the form the company's going to take in order to achieve that great result. And so in our case, um, I said that our vision was to become the McDonald's of small business consulting. In order to transform the state of small business worldwide, we had to invent the McDonald's of small business consulting. Think turnkey, think turnkey, think low cost, think highly applicable. So that was the vision. You can see the difference between the two. Mm -hmm. It's almost like the first is, as you said, the end result, but vision is almost like what the company will look like, act like, behave like, be like. Yeah. You got it. In order to produce that great result. And is the vision incomplete without the understanding of a system in place for having that vision? Or Well, the next step, obviously, is the purpose. Mm -hmm. So the dream, the vision, the purpose, the mission. Mm -hmm. Our purpose was that every single independently owned small company, every single independently owned small company, doing the work we were going to do with them could be as successful as a McDonald's franchise is. Mm -hmm. So here we're to serve independently owned small businesses. So our purpose was to transform the state of small business worldwide by becoming the McDonald's of small business consulting to serve independently owned small companies, what I now call a company of one. Mm. And our mission was to invent the system through which we could accomplish that result. Mm. You follow? Yes. So the mission was to invent the turnkey operating system, the artificial intelligent system that would enable us to recruit, hire, and train relative novices to become our small business consultants using an intelligent system that's applicable to every kind of company in the face of this earth, but could be delivered at less than the cost of a minimum wage kid to our client. Mm. The dream, the vision, the purpose, the mission, the dream, the vision. And we spoke about it and spoke about it and spoke about it and spoke about it. So the dream from the entrepreneur's perspective is the dreamer who's doing the dream is the thinker who has the vision of what the company has to become. Yes. The dreamer has the dream. The thinker has the vision. The storyteller has the purpose and the leader has the mission. So the entrepreneur is a dreamer, a thinker, a storyteller, a leader. Got it. And I mean, this is one of the first steps in the overall process of 
building a company for scale, right? Absolutely. It's the baseline. Yeah. And as you argue in the book, unless we start a business with the intention of selling it, it will be a mess. So we have to think about scale as soon as we start our business. You think about scale even before you open your doors. Right. Because your company has to scale if it's going to be for sale. Meaning, ultimately, the end result of an entrepreneurial's enterprise is to prepare the company for acquisition. So I know there's a lot of listeners on this podcast, and uh, I'm sure in the current state of business that we have online, there are a lot of what we call lifestyle businesses, and which are associated with the owner themselves. But then some of them get to be really big, but are still associated with one person, with the owner, with the name of the company, or whatever it might be. For example, Anthony Robbins Companies. Now, there is no Anthony Robbins Companies if anything happens to Tony Robbins. So how does that work? Even though it has become a $500 million company, it's still very much dependent on that one person, right? Yes. Well, understand that anybody who sets out to emulate Tony Robbins is doing exactly the opposite of what a true entrepreneur does, because it's impossible. Literally, if you look at the number of, in quotes, Tony Robbins on the planet, Mm. to set yourself up to become a great speaker, a great motivator, a great inspirational force is to set yourself up to fail. And so Tony Robbins is the worst exemplar, if you will, of an entrepreneur. Mm. That's what I wanted to hear. Yes. So a person-dependent company is invariably a disaster. For every Tony Robbins... A gazillion who want to be Tony Robbins are a disaster. Very interesting. So an entrepreneur doesn't set out to replicate a Tony Robbins company. An entrepreneur would set out to create a company that doesn't depend upon a strong personality like Tony Robbins or like Michael Gerber (laughs) or like Manny Baya. Or like, name it. Right. It's not the person, it's the system. Yep. And so go to that question that you actually raised, which is lifestyle. Yeah. You understand when we talk about entrepreneurship, we're not talking about lifestyle. Yeah. Lifestyle, in quotes, businesses are rarely businesses. They're glorified jobs. Lifestyle businesses are mostly jobs. Yeah, they're glorified jobs in some ways because the business is wholly dependent on that one person. And when that one person stops working, the income stops flowing and the business will die. Right. Manny, if you were sick today, we wouldn't be having this call. Mm -hmm. If I were sick today, we wouldn't be having this call. Mm -hmm. So what we're doing right now isn't a business, it's a job. Mm-hmm. Man is doing his job. Michael's doing his job. The question becomes, what's the enterprise? Mm-hmm. And so in order for Michael to successfully do what Michael set out to do, the whole e-myth enterprise, it couldn't be Michael wanting to become a coach. It had to be Michael becoming an entrepreneur who is going to invent a turnkey methodology that I could then delegate to many, 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 many people who would become e-myth coaches, facilitators, trainers, what have you, free of me. Hmm. And then something remarkable happens because you then suddenly have invented a system you can scale, you can replicate successfully. It says, this is how we do it here. 
this is who we are. Right. So when they call, they don't call and ask for Michael, the coach. They call the company beyond the e-myth, the evolution of an enterprise from a company of one to a company of 1,000 mm. to learn the secret of scaling, growing a company of one to 1,000. And the beauty of it is anybody can do it. Got it. And I think uh, we just touched on the first step of that process of scaling. We talked about the dreaming room, the dreamer, the dream and the vision and the purpose and the mission. But the second step in the process, as you say, is the client fulfillment system, right? Tell us about that. Yes. Well, let's talk about that because what essentially the, the four categories of an entrepreneur's mindset, the dreamer, the thinker, the storyteller, the leader, the dream, the vision, the purpose, and the mission. That's the platform for growing a company. Without that, it's all over the place. With that, you suddenly have a clear understanding of what you're setting out to create. Now, in order to do that, let's take everybody who's listening to us right now, Everybody who's listening to us right now, entrepreneurs all, small business owners all, however you refer to them, every single one of them have a situation. And here's the situation they all have. They have the opportunity to either go to work, as I say, on their business, or they've got an opportunity to go to work in their business. Now, if they go to work on their business, as we're obviously recommending that all entrepreneurs do continuously, they're going to work to invent the core operating system of that business. Now, the mistake that everybody makes is they go to work on what I call Old Co, capital O, L, D, capital C, O, Old Co. That's the company you got. What we're recommending, and which is so transformational, is instead of going to work on old co, you go to work on new co, mm. capital N-E-W, capital C-O. You go to work with a blank piece of paper and beginner's mind. You go to work on new co while old co is doing what it does to invent the future. Mm. Rather than fixing what you've got, which is almost impossible to do, eats up energy, eats up time, eats up capital, creates confusion, creates backlash. Instead of going to work on old co, the company you've got, you invent new co, the company that's going to replace old co as you begin to develop it. And that's a four-step process. Once you have your dream, your vision, your purpose, and your mission, once you have the platform for NUCO, once you've gone to work on NUCO with a blank piece of paper and beginner's mind, you're now ready to do the work of the business. First step, we call the job. Mm. And the job is your client fulfillment system. But understand, as you say, every single person who's got a business has a job. The problem is they don't go to work on the job. They go to work in the job, doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it, busy, 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 busy. 
We're suggesting something completely different. We're saying the job is the product you're there to sell. The job is your core deliverable. The job is your client fulfillment system. So the very first step in this process beyond the e-myth is to go to work on the job to invent your client fulfillment system. Doesn't matter what your product is. Doesn't matter whether you're a chiropractor or an attorney, whether you're selling juice, whether you're selling drugs, doesn't matter what you're doing. Hmm. You're going to work to create a client fulfillment system. And that client fulfillment system is there to serve whom? It's there to serve your dream, your vision, your purpose, and your mission. So to clarify, what is the client fulfillment system? It is the method. It's the product. Yep. If I'm a consulting business, it's the consulting system. If I'm a chiropractor, it's the chiropractic system. Mm. If I'm selling drinks, mm -hmm. it's the drinks that we sell. Right. And so we're going to sell those drinks. We're not going to sell them. We're going to deliver those drinks in a very particular way. We're going to design the packaging for those drinks in a very particular way. We're going to design our chiropractic services in a very particular way. We're going to design our legal services in a very particular way. We're going to focus our attention on a very specific market to deliver a very specific result in a very specific way, to differentiate ourselves, to disrupt the market of chiropractors, of attorneys, of whatever it might be that the product is. Hmm. Before we go out and sell it, we got to build it. So it's design, build, launch, and grow our client fulfillment system. That's job number one. Got it. You got it? Yeah. So before we carry on with the interview, I have an important question for you. Do you consistently take action on the books you read? Because a lot of research has now proven that there is really no learning without action. So if you're not taking action on what you're reading, here's a simple fix for you. Head on over to 2000books.com slash summary and download 10-minute action guides of the 10 greatest books for entrepreneurs. And they're all for free from age-old classics like Think and Grow Rich to modern-day bestsellers like The Lean Startup. We have some of the greatest books for ambitious entrepreneurs there. So head on over to 2000books.com slash summary and download these free 10-minute action guides. Or you can even text the word summary to 44222 and get these action guides. Okay, now back to the interview. And the second process in this, or second step in this process now is, you say, the client acquisition system, right? After we have designed the fulfillment system, now we have the acquisition system that we have to design and put in place. Yeah, and this is really important, man. You understand what we're doing. We're redefining the language. We're redefining the word business. Because if I were to talk to anybody who owns a, in quotes, business, that's what they'd call it. It's a business, but it's not a business. 99% of the time, it's not a business. 99% of the time, it's a job. It may be a practice. It rarely ever gets to a business, and it absolutely never gets to an enterprise. So the very first step in this process is to go and design the client fulfillment system and turnkey it. Mm. What do I mean by turnkey it? Document it. So I can turn to Manny and say, Manny, this is how you deliver this. I can turn to Marty and say, Marty, this is how you deliver this. I can turn to Judy and say, Judy, this is how you deliver this. Okay, now practice it, practice it, practice it, practice it. Now deliver it, deliver it, deliver it, deliver it. And gradually, Manny and Marty and Judy and Jack, each of them become masters of that system, that client fulfillment system. Okay, now that we know 
we can scale the client fulfillment system, meaning now that we know it doesn't depend upon Tony, now that we know it doesn't depend upon Gerber, now that we know it doesn't depend upon Vio, we know it can be delivered by Manny, Judy, Jack, Jim, whomever. That means we can scale our mm. client fulfillment system. Now we're getting ready then to attract more customers to us. Mm. Before we ever go out and get more customers, we've got to get our client fulfillment system handled. So typically, everybody in the world is doing the wrong thing. Everybody wants to go out and get sales, get sales, get sales, get sales, but they aren't prepared to grow mm. because they haven't turnkeyed their deliverable, which means they can't even position it effectively. You follow? Yes. So now we're going to create the practice, the job, the practice. What's the practice? The practice is a three-legged stool. Client fulfillment is one leg. Lead generation is another leg, and lead conversion is a third leg. You follow? Yes. Lead generation, lead conversion, client fulfillment. Mm -hmm. The three-legged stool, which is, Manny, in Gerber talk, our franchise prototype. Okay. That makes sense. So now, now we're going to go to work to attract people to our client fulfillment system, our product, our deliverable, and convert them into paying customers. And we're going to turnkey that system. Mm. So you see, there's one guy there delivering it. There's one guy there generating leads. And there's one guy there converting those leads. Yep. The three-legged stool, the three-legged stool, the three-legged stool, the practice. It's almost like there's a marketing guy, there's a sales guy, and there's a product guy. You can call it that. Yeah. Okay. But what in reality is, there's a marketing system, a selling system, and a client fulfillment system. Yeah, yeah. Turnkey. Mm -hmm. It's got to be turnkey, Manny. Because if it ain't turnkey, we can't replicate it. Yep. If we can't replicate it, we can't grow it. And if it's not turnkey and we attempt to grow it, which is what everybody does, it creates chaos. Yeah. All of this is designed to eliminate, alleviate the chaos that always exists in a disorganized dysfunctional company, which is what most are. Mm -hmm. So now you built the practice. Now you got your franchise prototype. Now you can grow it. How do you grow it? By replicating the practice. So think it's the practice is chiropractic. Mm -hmm. So we've got chiropractor number one. Now we're going to create chiropractor number two. Then we're going to create chiropractor number three, number four, number five, number six, and number seven. Up to seven turnkey practices constitute a business. So we're going from a job to a practice to a business. You get it? Yeah. So this is where we are basically converting the lead generation system, the lead conversion system, the client fulfillment system into a complete turnkey management system so that it becomes a business at this point. You got it. Now we're going to create a turnkey management system. Why? Because we have this need to manage this increasingly more complex organization. Yes. So now we had seven chiropractors, you understand. Mm -hmm. Each of those chiropractors needs to be kept full with clients. There is a algorithm that is attached to all of that. We know how to keep one chiropractor full. We know how many leads we've got to create. We know what 
kind of leads we have to create. We know how we have to convert those leads into a paying customer. We've got all of that data organized as we're working on our company from a company of one to a company of 1,000. Do the math, do the math, do the math. It becomes so obvious when you look at it and it becomes so apparent to everybody we're talking to right now mm -hmm. to show that there's a turnkey process for growth and you must, you absolutely must master it. Because to the degree you fail to master that process for growth, benchmark one, benchmark two, you understand. Until you master that, mm -hmm. it's chaos. And that's why so few small companies will ever grow. And that's why they end up calling them lifestyle businesses. Mm. That's just pandering to the reality. I better call it a lifestyle <laughs> because it ain't anything other than that. Because there's no other scope at that point. Yeah. You got it. And once we've done that, once we have the turnkey management system in place, we have in some ways an overall turnkey management to keep all the practices going. What the next step, I guess it, this is almost a hierarchy, even though these are steps, these are like each building on the other, we're going higher into the hierarchy. And now what you call is building an enterprise and building a turnkey leadership system that manages all of this. That leads it. Yeah. The management system manages it. The leadership system leads it. Mm -hmm. Understand what you just said is, yes, it's a hierarchy. I call it the hierarchy of growth. Mm -hmm. It can also be called the evolution of an enterprise. From a company of one to a company of 1,000. And there's an absolutely standardized process for achieving the result of creating an enterprise out of a company of one. And most people I say that to will react negatively to it. Their first reaction, is, well, yeah, but I don't want to, but I don't want to, but I don't want to. And what they're really saying is their experience of growth is so negative, so horrendous, that the last thing they would ever want to do would be to try to grow their company. Mm. But the reason their experience of growth is so horrendous, Manny, is because they didn't do it right. Mm. It's that simple. It's like there's a way to do it. That's what we've learned over the past 40 years. The way to do it. Mm. That's why this little book of mine, and it is my last e-myth book, Wow. This little book of mine, Beyond the E-Myth, The Evolution of an Enterprise, from a company of one to a company of 1,000, is such a small book. It's only 114 pages long. And so anybody, anybody, anybody who owns a small company, I'm calling a company of one, even if they got three people, four people, six, doesn't make any difference. It's a company of one, because a company of one is defined as a company that if the owner of that company were not to show up any day, they'd be out of business. Mm -hmm. If Manny isn't there, Manny's business isn't there. If Michael isn't there, Michael's business isn't there, unless we each do it the way I'm describing it. Mm -hmm. And so imagine if we start out doing it the way I'm describing it, Manny. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, let me ask you this, Michael. I mean, right now, as we're talking, there's a lot of people who are in the early stages of business. Now, this is not necessarily, let's say, a chiropractic business or a lawyer or something along those lines, not a franchise kind of business. Maybe it's a startup. It's in the early phases, the early search of a business model, the early phase of a startup where a lot of the things that we're talking about are very uncertain. I don't know the exact ways we'll generate leads. I don't know the exact ways in which we'll convert leads. All of these kind of get together in place at some point and only then is it realistic for that startup to think about scaling. Am I saying this right or do you have a different way of looking at it? Well, no, I've never met anybody in business. We've worked, as I said, with over 100,000 small business clients. When we meet them, they think they know, but they don't know at all. Mm. So understand, I never walk into a relationship believing that he actually knows where he's going, why he's going there, what he's going to do when he gets there, what the end game is, what he's going to realize in return for his investment of sweat equity, time, energy, money. Nobody knows that, Mm -hmm. many. That's why we started all over again. So you understand we're saying, okay, you're where you are. Let's just forget about it for the moment. Let's start it anew. Let's just go through the exercise of starting it anew. Let's start in the dreaming room. Just come dream with me. And let's go through the process of discovering what the opportunity really is. Mm. And so we just start with that question. Let's just start to discover what the opportunity really is. I'm not asking them to to tell me what the opportunity really is. I'm asking them to start by asking the question what the opportunity really is. And suddenly something that failed to happen, Manny, begins to happen like crazy. It's remarkable when that takes place Mm. because what we're really doing in my language, we're awakening the entrepreneur within. We're awakening the dreamer, the thinker, the storyteller, the leader. We're awakening what Walt Disney called the Imagineer. Mm. We're awakening somebody who's been asleep, and he's been asleep because he's been so busy, I've already said it 20 times, doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it, busy, 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 doing the job. Mm. You follow? Yes. And in some ways, I feel like this assumes the existence of some sort of revenue generation business going on right now, right? Yeah. Let's just assume there is. Yeah. That's old code. Yeah. That's old code. Got it. This makes a lot more sense now in the grand scheme of things, the way I can picture a startup compared to growing to a big or going to a company of thousand, going to a scalable, uh, sellable company, as you put it. Yep. And understand a company of 1000 always starts as a company of one. Mm -hmm. So understand it's not unreasonable to suggest that a company of one could grow to a company of 1000. It's very reasonable, assuming one thing that we do it right. Mm. Unfortunately, most often, nobody does it right. Mm -hmm. That's the job of Beyond the E-Myth. I'm being presumptuous enough to say that over 40 years of experience with this, we have created the way to do it right. Yes, yes, indeed. And the book reveals it. And the book reveals it. And the book goes live on... December 7th, is that right? December 7th. Uh, Oh, before we go into that, let me quickly turn the mic back to you and request you to give our listeners three specific action items when it comes to applying beyond the e-myth, when it, you know, with all the things that we've talked about so far. Okay. 
So these things are going to sound strange, but just accept them as I say them. Mm-hmm. And the first question is, who am I? That's what I want everybody listening in right now to ask. Who am I? And when you get your first answer, ask it again, and then ask it again, and then ask it again. So that's the first thing to do. Why? Because until you truly dig down deep into who you are, you'll never truly be ecstatic about what you create. Mm. What you create must serve. Who am I? The second bit of homework I'll ask them to do, and I know this doesn't sound like real practical stuff. You got to understand that the most powerful stuff anybody does as an entrepreneur isn't the practical stuff. It's the transformational stuff. The second step, second question to ask is, if that's who I am, then what am I here to create? And you see, that opens up the entire conversation about my dream, my vision, my purpose, my mission. What am I here to create? If this is who I am, then what am I here to create? Mm. And finally, the third question, and what will that look like when it's done? Got it. Great. These are very tough and very thought-provoking questions. Yeah. And we do that in the dreaming room. When we do that together with our clients, something really magical happens. So we get into a completely new world. Uh, you might say the world of the unknown, but which quickly becomes very, very familiar, mm. but also extraordinarily vibrant with energy. So people ask me, where do you get your energy, Michael? Being alive. <laughs> and what does that mean? Who am I? Why am I here? What will it look like when I'm done? I had the dream, the vision, the purpose, and the mission way back then in 1977. Think about that. To transform the state of small business worldwide, to become the McDonald's of small business consulting, to serve the most important business consumer on the planet, independently owned businesses, Mm. and to invent the system which will enable us to do that. And that's what drives me, drives us, drives what we do, and drives every single person we've ever worked with. Right. Wow. This has been outstanding, Michael. Thank you so much for your great four decades worth of insight at this point. I'm very grateful for you to take the time to do this. Please tell our listeners about the book, where to find it. It's coming out soon. You got it. www.beyond. E-Myth, E-M-Y-T-H dot com, beyond E-Myth dot com. And if you want to contact me directly, Gerber, G-E-R-B-E-R at Michael E. Gerber dot com, beyond E-Myth dot com. Get the book. Tell your friends. Do whatever it takes to get it out there on the face of this planet. We intend to become the preeminent provider of economic development services worldwide. Growing small companies is key to that. Grassroots entrepreneurship. Let's do it. Let's do this. And the book goes live on December 7th. Everyone listening, please grab a copy. Let's make this a bestseller for Michael. Michael, thank you very much for your time, your presence, your energy. I am absolutely thrilled. My delight, Manny. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. So, my ambitious friends, are you aware that we have a thriving YouTube channel with over 11,000 subscribers and over 40 video summaries of some of the greatest business and personal development books of all time? Books like How to Win Friends and Influence People, Getting Things Done, Good to Great, and a whole lot more. 
you have to come check it out at 2000books.com slash YouTube. And the link will also be in the show description below. So you can just click on it and make sure to hit subscribe so that you will know when we have a new video summary out for you. Okay, I have a question for you. How much is your time really worth? I mean, in dollars per hour. Is it worth anything more than $3.33 per hour? If yes, how do you use all the extra time during the day, like the time in the gym or while doing your laundry or running errands or driving or doing grocery or running or walking or doing chores around your home? Because I use my extra time to listen to audiobooks. So if I bought an audiobook for $10 and listened to it for three hours, I paid $3.33 per hour for that knowledge. So if you're making anything more than $3.33 per hour, I think you should be able to invest that money in constantly upgrading your mind. And audiobooks are definitely one of the cheapest investments with the highest ROI, in my opinion. So if you want to try out what I'm saying, you can give Audible a try by signing up for a free trial membership and get any audiobook for free. And if you don't like it, just cancel the trial membership and you won't be charged anything. However, you still get to keep the audiobook for free forever. So pretty good deal, right? And you've got nothing to lose but a free audiobook to gain. So to avail of this offer, just head on over to 2000books.com slash free or text the word audiobooks to 44222. Now that's one word, audiobooks to 44222, and we'll get back to you with the details. <music> 